Yeah, we don't have just like one thing that we say, huh? You can just be like, well, hello there. Welcome to free Wi-Fi. Cool, I'll just use that clip. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Welcome, welcome to Free Wi-Fi, where we talk about games and studies and stuff like that and things. I'm Catherine Fox. Oh, yeah, I forgot. What's my name again? Terrence. Terrence? Es Terrence Fajardo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hey, I'm Esteban Fajardo. There's no way to say it without just my accent sounding weird. Do you just want to say it like a white person? I'll just say it like a white person. Hi, I'm Esteban Fajardo. Welcome. Um, I don't have that. What are we talking about? What's 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 happening? Well, usually we're talking about video games, and Mm -hmm. um, I think we need to talk a lot about video games this time to make up for how much we talked about Pokemon last time. Like we just talked about Pokemon, and Pokemon's a video game, but we went a little overboard, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it was a lot of Pokemon. It was a lot of Pokemon. So we're not going to talk about Pokemon at all this time in fact this is the last time we're going to mention the word pokemon exactly exactly so speaking of pikachu's detective adventure oh my um, god <laughs> for, remember how i said we weren't going to talk about this i need to talk about it real fast just real 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 quick real quick yeah yeah so i've been thinking i think i know what the plot for the second movie is going to be right because it, make it a going sequel. to be okay let's break this down from like the exec's perspective this isn't what i want but this is what's going to happen i'm laying down hmm. chips on the table um, it's going to come out just as well as the Minions prediction did. Um, as we all know, this episode is coming out uh, around E3, right? Uh, oh, shoot. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here. It's our special E3 episode. As we all know, uh, in Nintendo's latest Nintendo Direct, they announced the new Smash Bros. characters. And whoa, it was the Minions. Who knew I was going to be right all along? It, my prediction made so much sense, and I'm glad that it was validated. Well, wait. Hold on. When is E3? <laughs> Next week. How do you know this isn't going to come out on Friday before then? Because I have no faith in you, Catherine Fox. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to dodge that one physically. You fell out of your chair. Um, that was upset. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm be- that was so mean. <laughs> you do all of the hard work and I shouldn't be cruel to you about it. Sorry. What, 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 where did this conversation start? Detective Pikachu 2 opens with our intrepid heroes from the previous film hard at work doing detectiving they're trying to solve crimes but a brash of new crimes have come to rhyme city uh pokemon are going missing shoot i said pokemon uh (laughs) the small critters monsters the pocket monsters those small critters are vanishing around the city what what's going on who's behind this (gasps) it's Team Rocket, of course it's Team Rocket. <gasps> Team Rocket will be the villains of the next one. Pikachu yeah. is going to go missing, and they got to find Pikachu with their new partner, Pichu. That's right. <laughs> They're bringing Pichu in, and everyone's going to hate it, but I'm going to love it because Pichu is awesome. <laughs> I love me some Pichu. Everyone will be like, wow, Pikachu is so cute. How did they make Pikachu even cuter with this tinier, fluffier Pichu? That's what's going to happen. Throwing, okay. throwing down my predictions there. So they're going to get uh, Pikachu will be uh, kidnapped 
Lucy is is in it again, the the reporter. But uh, once again, she'll probably have no character development. Not what I want, but we're just going on 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 uh, executive trends. Um, mm-hmm. And our two characters, the Goodmans, they got to team up to figure out this mystery. And so we got to keep the character dynamics from the first one. Um, and everyone wants to see Pikachu. That's what the audience wants. And so it's going to withhold it from us. They're going to kidnap Pikachu. So that whole well, time yeah, also like, because Pokemon. People want Pikachu to talk, and they can't have Pikachu talking. They can't have Pikachu so they, talk. So you do. You yeah. take Pikachu out of the picture for a little bit, and then you give us back the Pikachu, and everyone gets happy, you know? Yeah. So this is my prediction. That's how it's going to go down. Team Rocket shows up. Um, they're probably not going to be the final ultimate villains. They're going to get to, like, Giovanni or someone halfway through the film and be like, we're here to put an end to your misdeeds, Giovanni. And he'll be like, I might be totally, completely evil, but I'm actually not behind these kidnappings. And everyone's going, what? And then some, uh, uh, the villain will turn out to be someone they've been working closely with the entire time, who's very clearly telegraphed as evil, but this is for the kids, so they'll be all surprised. <laughs> they'll be like, what? No way. That's what's going to happen. That's my prediction. All right, cool. Well, that's on the record, and um, if it's incorrect, I will be sending the prediction police to your home, and you will be arrested and fined for ten thousand dollars for lies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but if I'm right, I get like a cut of the royalties. That's how oh, no. this works, right? You just no. If no? you if you're right, you just um, you just don't get arrested. What? How does you know, it's copyright <laughs> law? I thought I understood. <laughs> Predictions are not copyright. <laughs> TM, 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 TM. I trademarked <laughs> it. There we go. Oh, man. It's going to be a while before they announce the sequel. Um, but, the, you know, I mean, that makes sense because the first movie was a detective movie. And the only way to escalate that is to go into, like, thriller kidnapping, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just classic noir stuff, I guess. I don't know. So now we're done talking about Pokemon for a little bit promise i'll stop yeah okay we're done we're done with pokemon forever we're going to talk about something completely different and would you like would you like to introduce today's topic esteban all right so yeah main topic today is once again everyone's favorite segment i'm gonna give another book review because everyone loves it when i give book reviews because everyone's reading books here right just me well i want to talk about a book so we're gonna talk about a book we're talking about pikachu's global adventure uh <laughs> it's about pokemon uh i'm so sorry i keep lying I, I need to talk about this book, though. <laughs> it's in our blood, okay? We can't help it. <laughs> we can't stop it. The Pokemon fever, the Pokemon craze that's sweeping the nation. Okay, but that's what this book so, is about. Okay, yeah. What What is Pokemon's... What is it? Pikachu's, Pikachu's Global Adventure, which sounds okay. like it's just that like... sounds delightful. Right? It sounds like Pikachu and friends are just going to go around the globe and have a great time. And you know what? That is what this book is about, except that it's not a fiction book. It's not about Pikachu... The character it's about pikachu the phenomenon this is an uh, a collection of academic essays from uh the 90s and early 2000s um based on a conference that was held uh, in the year 2000 trying to analyze like hey this pokemon phenomenon this pokemon craze that's sweeping the nation that's all well and done with now so let's just talk about what the heck that was all about so, so it's a book about the declining Pokemon franchise in yes. the year, like, circa 2000. Yeah, so the book was published 2004. <laughs> its subtitle is The Rise and Fall of Pokemon. Um, and it is... And like a phoenix, it rose again <laughs> from the ashes. That's in the sequel. They should do a sequel to this. Pikachu's I'm surprised that they too. haven't, considering that they were completely wrong. <laughs> 
Oh my god. Yeah, so the book is hilarious because it keeps talking about Pokemon in the past tense. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> As a thing that happened. Um it also keeps referring to the Pokemon computer game. It is this book is highly accurate, highly factual, but is a little outdated. Computer game? Yeah. As in before, like the video game? Yeah, before video game was the commonly held parlance for what to call these things. Oh, Academic yeah, guess... journals would refer to them as computer games because video refers specifically to a type of uh, visual output on a television screen. So video game right. technically is only something that is seen on a video screen. Therefore, this is a computer game because it runs on a computer. <laughs> I see. I see. You know, that makes sense. For a while, LinkedIn, you have to define what industry you're in. The games industry was computer games yeah. for a while. I think that's been updated, but yeah. And so this is full of memories of being a kiddo, kind of, kind of. I, I. So I'm, I'm ragging on this book like a lot because I think it's hilarious. To give a little bit more background, the reason I came upon this book is uh, when I was in college, my freshman year, I took a Pokemon class. It was a critical theory and study and analysis of games class, but. Um, the way our professor, William Huber, uh, wonderful, William wonderful, Huber. wonderful teacher. Uh, shout cool, outs to cool William. Cool person. I love, I love William. Yeah, he rules. Um, what a cool dude. He and he threw, yeah, my favorite, my favorite class probably that I've ever taken, which was this critical studies class where the entire semester we just analyzed a single piece of media through a different lens every single week. And so one week was like, all right, we're going to do a feminist reading of this thing. Next week, we're going to do a Marxist reading of this thing. The following week, we'll just be like, here is um, digging into uh, some more of the, like, the business and management side of things. Let's study this with right. just different stuff every every week, which was a really good approach to it and a really great choice on William's part to go with Pokemon, something that all of us were incredibly familiar with. So essentially, it was Lindsay Ellis's The Whole Plate series, yes. but for game theories. Yeah, uh, Lindsay Ellis, a uh, wonderful YouTuber who does a lot of uh, video essays on media stuff. Um, so she went to USC. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so her whole plate video series does a media analysis of the Transformers franchise through the exact same like approach with lenses and stuff. And it was very cool watching that because I was like, oh, I can tell you went like this is the same school of critical theory thought that like I was taught with too. Um, so it's the exact same sort of idea. And a really useful way of uh, interacting with media and stuff. So this book, Pikachu's Global Adventure, was the central text that we used throughout the classes because it's a collection of essays, each with different um, perspectives and focuses, trying to analyze what the heck this whole Pokemon phenomenon that just happened and ended <laughs> was all about. Um, <laughs> and so it's uh, it's it's outdated. But extremely useful because um, it is looking at things very closely and closer than I think you and I would have been able to. It, it comes away with a lot of uh, conclusions that you and I, I don't think, would be able to reach because we are children. And this is written by adults <laughs> sort right. of witnessing it. So it doesn't capture the um, the experience of being a kid inside of the Pokemon craze like at all. But it does capture the experience of uh, parents thinking about the Pokemon craze from a lot of mm -hmm. different perspectives. And of course, like as I think you'll, you'll remember, there's a lot of Pokemon panic um, and right. trying to determine, okay, there's this phenomenon sweeping, sweeping the world. 
is it good is it bad as just like the primary like uh, discussion among like parents and stuff and that's something that the book is um also trying to trying to break down um but a little bit more like complicated than that um so yeah i just want to talk about this like a little bit because there's so much so much to say about yeah tell me about it because i don't think i will ever read anything like it because it's a bunch of academic essays (laughs) but yes tell me about pikachu's global adventure the things that like i'm really coming away with it now that i'm like rereading it with um like it's easy to like joke and rag on this and so when i first was reading text from this like that's kind of what stuck in my mind was just like oh my god this is just like just a bunch of adults trying to like talk about pokemon and they don't they don't get it they don't get it but now i'm like i can be an adult too and be like okay what are they actually talking about and stuff and the interesting things that i'm learning are just like yeah there wasn't really a glow like a worldwide multimedia cultural like blanket before pokemon when it hit where people literally like around the entire world and across like geography races and gender were able to have a shared a shared like cultural thing to talk about and even things that did have big um big cultural like fads and popularity crazes like power rangers and teenage mutant ninja turtles and stuff that came beforehand were still much more like localized in their popularity and very much split among like gender differences that didn't happen with pokemon and so yeah it's like interesting that like pokemon was really the the first case where uh people were able to look at what shared values basically were hitting people in different uh different parts of the world and stuff so there's like a lot of um interviews and stuff with children from france from israel from the united states and from japan to see how uh how kids were interacting with the cuteness of pokemon with the violence of pokemon what the themes and values would be like what do children come away with um understanding and believing and how did how did like what did what do the children carry from pokemon like afterwards and it was really interesting to read a bunch of interviews with like five to ten year olds where they'd like would totally get it they'd like when talking about like the tv show or something they'd be like no it's not really about like uh like when very pointedly like asked they would always say that it's more about caring for your pokemon caring for your friends and each other than it is about like winning and being the best and stuff which is uh interesting in that like the nurturing aspect of it was something that kids would pick up as a central theme of the games and the shows uh more than like the competitive violent aspects of it and that uh, kids would sort of also go through interesting phases um as their relationship with pokemon sort of like changed through age groups where the youngest kids would often make believe that they are pokemon and then after a certain age they make believe that they are the trainers you know okay okay that's actually pretty yeah that is interesting yeah and so that that's sort of like the phases and stuff that that goes through and um while it is hilarious to rag on this is talking about the fall of pokemon and the uh <laughs> <laughs> everything about pokemon like the past tense is something that like happened and is going away and uh mm-hmm. no one will remember in the future it is accurate in that pokemon did have like a huge decline and drop off from its initial like the year that it came out way less people saw the second movie bought the second game and uh that continued in in decline um since then it's had i mean it felt pretty benign until go came out right yeah yeah it was it was it was at a simmer instead of back Mm -hmm. at a boil um yeah and so the reason that it hit that simmer which is one of the central questions of the book like why did it like why did it why do fate why do fads 
fades. Why do fads? <laughs> why do fads happen uh, with children? Why do they? Why do things lose popularity? And the very interesting thing is, while Pokemon is able to hit a wide, wide range of age groups, uh, especially when it debuted, and that if you're really young, you can enjoy just pictures and images of Pokemon, and you can enjoy the train cards in that way too. Uh, you're a little bit older with your uh, need for stories and stuff. You could love the TV series that was really accessible, easy to easy to watch, easy to get and have fun with. If you were a little bit more advanced, then um, you could spend time with collecting the trading cards and like actually like having conversations about that or playing the trading card game. And then at a higher age group, if you needed something deeper and more advanced, you'd play the video games. And so, like it had, and the video games, of course, like could get deeper as you try to get more competitive. Right. And the cards so too. So it had like, had something for every level of yeah. uh... age and engagement and stuff. Like mm. if you were feeling too advanced for something, there was always something to graduate to that was still within the franchise, um, right. which was really, really interesting and cool. And that's why it hit such a huge age demographic. But the reason it fell off, the way it did, is that as kids got older and start to outgrow and want to separate themselves from uh kids stuff from kids stuff um kids that feel like they have outgrown something and want to separate themselves are often more outspoken in their criticism than kids that are just like benignly uninterested and so if a kid like if pokemon comes out first generation um first generation pokemon comes out your kid you're really into it you have a an older brother who is too old for this they're getting to be a teen they're not interested they're not going to rag on pokemon in the same way that you might when, when the second generation age. comes and you're like oh right. i am above this now because you're trying to <laughs> i'm no longer yourself. in that place yes i'm above yeah yeah and, that makes sense and that generation of kids will be more derisive about it than a generation of kids that just doesn't have anything to prove you know Mm -hmm. And so that is what causes fads um, to happen with kids in the way that it does, where the first the first boom didn't have to deal with the second generation, basically. Teen like, angst that is teen what's angst. to blame. It's all about those dang teen, teen <laughs> angst. But there's also a lot of other interesting um, observations sort of in it. The best, coolest perspective in this book is that it's not a typical game studies book where it's written by people who study exclusively games this is written by educators and um okay people who study like pedagogy which is the study of learning um, study of a learning yeah so the book is entirely concerned about children um which is something that reading it i realized is very rare in game texts to have books that center or even mention in many cases like children's children <laughs> yeah like kids play games um and games are often for children, but a lot of games texts don't like to talk about that because in game world we like to we we have that complex where we have like like the second like the generation of children that has outgrown something we have to prove that we're better than the youngins <laughs> so we don't talk about the youngins. But this book talks a lot about the youngins. You know, mm. it's all about kids. I feel like a lot of game text also tries to talk more about general human psychology, yeah. right, rather than dividing it up by age. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely true. But I think there's a lot of usefulness in talking about specifically how how children play and what it means for their development and stuff. Um, so there's a lot of useful, interesting things here. And it identifies Pokemon um, as a information game, which is something that I don't think I would have seen. Information game. Yeah, I would have really seen that analysis from something that 
had been more embedded in sort of like game studies, it would have found a different genre to really put it in. We'd be like, this is a role-playing game. This is a strategy fight, like a turn-based strategy game or something like that. This is like, no, 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 no. Pokemon is first and foremost an information game where the ability to get through the game is dependent on a player. The participant has to have a taxonomy of knowledge. They have to assemble um, an encyclopedia in their brain of like, these are all the Pokemon, these are their weaknesses, these are the kind of moves, this is what's good against what. That is really what the game is. And that is a huge part of why it is such a, um, a fascination of kids is because they are at that development stage where they want to be as, as, like amassing as much information as possible. Their brains are super squishy and stuff. And so they want to um, be gathering knowledge and they, they want, want to, to prove, learn. Yeah. They want to learn and they want to prove that they have this knowledge and that they can um, share and communicate with each other. And also and the that's same That's what games time, are great for. That's what they're great for. Um, and also they want to be able to prove that like kids want to be able to have their own communities, which are excluded from adult communities yes, um, so yes. that they can build their own individuality and stuff. And so Pokemon is also extremely good at that because kids can talk to each other and understand each other with this common language that like is impenetrable to, to adults who didn't also have it. Um, I mean, you can still feel that to like to this day, right? Yeah. As our, yeah. At our age, <laughs> like we can like just talk about Pokemon and like, older generations don't really know what they're what talking about yeah it's so, just it still feels cool is what i'm saying <laughs> it's so cool as a secret language definitely yeah. um and the interesting thing is that uh another another analysis that the the book makes is that pokemon as an information game came at the at the at the age of like the information economy where a lot of the economy was starting to shift from manufacturing to information based with like the internet picking up and stuff, a lot more jobs were becoming about moving around data, moving around information and stuff, um, hmm. which wasn't understood by a lot of parents yet at that um, at that uh, era at that age. Like hmm. parents were definitely of a generation where manufacturing was the primary uh, the primary economy in in most countries, and so it. A lot of them felt that Pokemon was worthless because it wasn't tangible in the same way that manufacturing sort of is tangible. So right. like having a lemonade stand um, is industrious and uh, children are encouraged to do lemonade stands, but they are not encouraged to barter Pokemon cards because the value of Pokemon cards isn't productively tangible in the same way that a lemonade stand is. It's more about information and the children were growing up learning how to navigate an information economy, um, how to communicate, how things were about, who had the most knowledge about how something works. Like, oh, no, 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 that Pokemon can't use Hyper Beam. This Pokemon Mew is, is under the truck. Exactly, yeah. So, <laughs> so kids were swimming in this information economy that yeah. was distinctly different than what parents had grown up learning as valuable and stuff and so there's a huge disconnect between the generations there at least initially um and that i think has probably changed as the information economy has become much more solidified as like that is where all right. business in the u.s really exists and stuff that's really interesting yeah and then the final interesting thing was um that uh the the original designer tajiri um reportedly talked about how um like the it, it's like a well-known antidote that like pokemon was based on his childhood of bug catching um 
Like him catching bugs as a kid? Yeah, yeah. As a kid, he would catch bugs and they would collect, him and his friends would collect bugs and they would like show off their collections and exchange stuff. And like a lot of Pokemon's gameplay is based off of that childhood experience. But what I didn't know before reading this book was that he also would talk about how, um, because children uh, of the 90s in Japan would often have to, and still true today and now more true in the United States as well, would have to run from school straight to cram classes and right. then straight to other things and often wouldn't get home until after 8 p.m. And so that means that they would spend more time without a single group than they normally like would in the past. You mean they have like a friend group and they would just be jumping around different groups of people like yeah. socially? Yeah, socially they would be with lots of different groups of people and they wouldn't have the same, uh, like the family unit was was different sort of in that regards and that like you're not spending so much time with your family and so that uh Tajir would say that children attach themselves to fictional mascots to act as shadow families because in their own imaginations and stuff they can carry the attachments with these characters um it's much more, more solidly it's more stable yeah I yeah see. I see. yeah because wow. real relationships are atomized um the relationships with fictional characters and stuff can take that that sort of place and that was something that was on his mind when he was developing pokemon as mascots and characters and stuff which i wow. think is extremely interesting that's so smart it's so interesting yeah very very thoughtful wow. yeah yeah other thing i didn't know when i first read this book but definitely stuck out to me this time was uh our old professor ellen Sater is all over this book Oh, really? With quotes. The, the and critical stuff. studies? Cinema? Yes. Dr. Sater was our anime class. Instructor. We took anime <laughs> class? Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, in, she's she is all respect to Ellen Sater. She is yeah. one of the foremost uh, academics in terms of uh, anime studies and stuff. But she did also, in like the first week of her class, come in and be like so have you guys heard of pokemon and then she like tried explaining pokemon to us and the entire class was just like we we lived it we lived it ash was 10 years old when we were 10 years old we we got it (laughs) we are pokemon i I mean maybe that was just like her make dry humor right like that's something i would do as a joke i thought it was because she she tried explaining it to us (laughs) we know it's pokemon Oh man, I'd love to take another one of her classes. I, I really enjoyed that. We also just got to watch a lot of anime movies, which is always great. Always great. Always great. If there is an anime class at your school, <laughs> we highly recommend you, wanna... you take it. <laughs> Join an anime club? Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just about I always start to talk about anime, but like never mind. We'll we'll get there. We will. Are we going to well, talk about video games? At some point. Well, no, is that like Wait, so Ellen Sanders in this book? Uh, she's she's often referenced and quoted, and she's got a back of the back of the book quote as well. But okay. yeah, it was like I definitely wow. wouldn't have recognized her name because I took the class where we read this book. I took that uh, my freshman the, year, and then we took that yeah. anime class our senior year. So I was like, oh, no, hey, that was I our was that our senior year? Yeah, no, it was our junior year. It was our junior year our junior because year. we had people ahead of us that that was their last was, class. Um. So yeah, that makes sense. That's that's really cool. You should send her an email and be like, "Hey, I love your book." <laughs> yeah, um, that'd be that'd be sweet. I should, we, I should do that. We we remember your anime class fondly. Please write um, a Pikachu's Global Adventure to <laughs> the Return of Pikachu. <laughs> oh yeah, actually, like, how hard would it be to get that done? Right, like, just contact the people who own the rights to it and be like, "Hey, 
hey. Let's do a book. Let's I don't do know how one. interested you are in, in actually writing an academic book, but I think that would be, be really fun. interesting. It would be interesting to revisit it. Um, maybe it's too early just because Pokemon's kind of in like a new swing right now. Mm, we have to wait till um, it's the rise and fall and rise and fall again of Pokemon, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Look at a graph of uh, Pokemon and it looks like the ice caps melting. Uh. <laughs> There's like, like little mountain peaks and it's slowly descending or... The graph of the ice caps melting, by the way. Um, I got you. I know what you're talking about. Pokemon, though, is good and very thoughtfully designed and made. It's always definitely a thing. Even when Pokemon's not good, there's a lot to talk about about talk about it, you know? Like, like Pokemon Sleep. Is it good? Is it bad? Okay. Like everything with Pokemon, I'll... it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's way too early to judge Pokemon Sleep. In 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 concept, could be either good or bad. It's either incentivizing you to actually get some sleep, which is like self care and people need to do. And with crunch culture being what it is these days mm-hmm. in a bunch of industries um, and countries, people should sleep more. And maybe gamifying it is the answer. But also like. We are we are already consuming products constantly. Do we really need to like give our our sleep over to some product as well? Like sleep shouldn't have to be productive to be valuable. But for some people, yeah. they need it to be productive to be valuable. So it's complicated. I can't like I don't know. I mean, I I was up until one a.m. playing Pokemon Go last night. So <laughs> <laughs> that's mostly because I couldn't sleep, and it was like I just got a whole bunch of like friends and they were sending me gifts and i actually have pokeballs anyway i don't know um (laughs) i I, i'm on the fence obviously about pokemon sleep um i really would just rather try it and see how it affects me personally um because i like not having anything to worry about when i'm asleep that's kind of like that's kind of my my main purpose for sleeping is to like oh god i can't i have no energy anymore i just want to like sit and pretend to be dead for a couple hours and not have to worry about anything. And then in the morning, I'll worry about everything else. Um, oh, that actually reminds me. You made a comic years ago mm-hmm. where it was like, I care about not. It was like you were going to bed. It was like, I care about nothing, whatever. And then you, then you in the morning, it's like, oh, I care about everything. <laughs> and I think, I think about it a lot. I don't know if you still have it. Oh, I haven't thought about that in forever. I wonder if I do. I wonder if I do have that. I used to make a bunch of tiny, small comics. Yeah. No, I loved them. I mean, I, yeah. your your little uh, marshmallow guys are part of the free Wi-Fi wallpaper. Yeah, so. it's true. It's true. I do still bust them out here and again. Um, the other thing I think with Pokemon Sleep that I'm seeing a lot in conversations that's been interesting hearing while also reading this book is people being very worried. Is like, yeah, but this is a product for... For children, we can't be giving this sort of thing to like to children. And it's like this is the exact same conversation that was happening with Pokemon cards. It's literally all of us who grew up are now just like, yeah, but like children shouldn't have to worry about Here's these the thing, things. Though, I do not think that Pokemon Sleep is targeted towards children. I think it's targeted towards working adults who are doing right. other things with their lives and need like a more passive game like this. That trailer because didn't have. A child sleeping that's true although I yeah think... like if you just take a look at nintendo's advertising they're they're targeting people who grew up with nintendo already um and pokemon is just an extension of that like yeah. they know who they who they they know who they have raised 
And now they are just catering to the children they have raised on their products <laughs> with a new line of products while also catering to current children. Um, that is actually so it's just, it's true just because adding more layers to the ageness. Because they did know, split up. Words. They, they've got a, a Sword and Shield Nintendo Direct coming out at a different time. And this press conference mm. was definitely more like adult oriented in terms of like uh well, it was a press conference it wasn't like a yeah. fun fun direct yeah. thing it was it was a it was definitely like a press conference it concluded with the announcement that you too can buy a hundred dollar pokemon dress shirt 151 styles to choose from oh yeah no kid's dress gonna shirts. get a 150 dollar shirt no like <laughs> they are aware that millennials are adults now and they have disposable income, and, and they still sleep. love Pokemon, and they have different needs and a different lifestyle, and they are ha they are finding ways to work Pokemon into it, capitalizing on nostalgia, and also just making life more fun for all of us who know that life is getting really ridiculous right now, and we just need a little Pokemon in our lives, you know? You know what? Is Pokemon a big evil company, or are they here for joy in the world? Please contribute an essay to my new book, <laughs> Pikachu's Global Adventure 2, The Rise and Fall and Rise and Fall of Pokemon. <laughs> the Rise and Fall and Rise and Fall of Pokemon. And then just have Pikachu on a sine wave instead of like... Yeah, because th that's what it is. The cover yeah. is literally Pikachu bouncing up and down, so it's just yeah. going just gonna to yeah. change the, the graph. <laughs> this book is so good. Guys, all right, I'm going to conclude this book review now. We will actually stop talking about Pokemon. But uh, <laughs> I highly recommend Pikachu's Global Adventure. If you can get past everyone talking about Pokemon as a computer game, you'll find a lot of really, really, really good, um, interesting uh, analysis about childhood and culture and kids do they deserve respect probably <laughs> <laughs> no that actually sounds really interesting how many stars would you give it i give pikachu's global adventure 4.5 stars out of five they lose half a star for um being wrong being wrong <laughs> <laughs> i mean <laughs> just well, for being old is uh, old as hell like <laughs> and also Plus it's just sorry there's also some of the analysis is a little like outdated feeling too in terms of how they uh, approach gender like discussions and mm. stuff. And there's like definitely a chapter where like the author is just like, I'm not homophobic nor in like interested in endorsing the heterosexual like lifestyle. But <laughs> at any time you follow that up with like a but, it's just like, oh brother. <laughs> oh man. Um. We have, my timer says we have seven minutes left. Oh, no. Okay, quick. Talk, talk about video games. Please okay. save us. Well, okay. Pikachu's Global Adventure. Go find it. It's a, it, it's an adorable yellow book. If nothing else, it'll look nice in your bookshop. Um, That's true. I can endorse that. <laughs> I, I've been, I started revisiting my dog petting mini game. I'm remaking it from the ground up um, because I don't know why, just seeing if I can do it better and maybe add some more depth to it because I want it to be more of like a game than just a, a thing that you click. Wait, when you say adding depth to it, do you mean like literally? Like the hand will sink into the dog's fur? Oh my gosh. Like uh, I do not think so. Gross. Subsurface scattering. Subsurface scattering. <laughs> Ray traced fur. <laughs> No, I, I'm, 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 um, I want to make it more like a puzzle game, and I don't have like a really concrete like plan on how, like specifically how to do that. But I have some basic ideas. Like instead of just petting the dog, you have to do some couple other things first. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe do some, I don't know. It's it's, it's going to be more like a, a puzzle thing. Um, but I, I actually streamed, live streamed my development of that because why not? Even though it's like very early and I'm no, I am by no means any kind of uh, Unity expert. And it's probably really boring to watch. Um, but it was fun. Um, and I'll probably do that again. The goal of uh, the dog petting game is to make it feel like you're really interacting with like a living creature, right? That's like interesting well, not, stuff, right? Not necessarily. Like the fact that you're petting a dog is already like people, it's already like joyful enough. I just wanted to make it more of like a full featured game kind of feel mm, okay. rather than just like, I still want it to be like hilarious and and just like fun and joyful so there are still there will still be moments when you finish petting a dog and the next dog comes along and it's a cat mm-hmm. and then the next dog come along comes along and it's a toaster and just like <laughs> just do like just crazy like just, just oh. make jokes with it yeah so i want to make yeah it's like inter- interacting with everything in life as if it is as joyful as petting a dog <laughs> that's really sweet I, yeah sh- uh sure <laughs> um yeah no i i just want to make uh something joyful full of jokes uh that ha- uses uh no text and no ui yeah and it's just cute and nice yeah i'm I'm curious how it will evolve from your first uh your first go at the the idea i was playing with a cat yesterday like quite a bit which is oh, like rare. a real cat? Yeah, like a real cat. I was like, whoa. <laughs> so I'm allergic to cats. So I try to mm-hmm. keep my distance away from them. That's fair. Not like deathly allergic, just like I will start Enough to make you uncomfortable, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, there was like one of those fishing poles with like the cat toy on the end. And I was like, yeah. I can play with a cat like this. Like, <laughs> I, I'm literally keeping my distance with this little toy and stuff. But it was it was fun. It's It's cool because animals like... You want to catch their attention and interest, and you're trying to figure out like what's the pattern you got to do to get it. I was like, "Does the cat like it when I move the toy like this, and I swish it like that? Do like they like when I bounce slow, it like this? Like, yeah, what, what do they what do they want? Do they want the toy in the like the periphery of their vision, or to, like centered? I got to put this right in front of them. Um, I find cats a lot harder to read than dogs, probably because I just didn't grow up with them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, how did you how did you fare? Well, I might have had an allergic reaction and lost my voice, but <laughs> I'm still, I'm not sure if my voice sounds different in this recording. If so, it's because I'm still recovering from that. I completely lost my voice. I couldn't talk at all at this party. And so I'm very talkative now because I have to just let it all out now. <laughs> <laughs> you had so many thoughts you just couldn't express. I couldn't Man, that's like my... talk about Pokemon for an hour. <laughs> that's like my everyday life. I feel like I always have so many like emotions and thoughts, but I just do not have the words to express them. Mm. So I'm just like, Bleh. I have no. You know, words, it's so like it's design. like. <laughs> so, oh man, my language. Language. But I'm glad you have your voice back now. Me too. Me too. And I'm glad that we have our voices back online on some free wi-fi on the retail this, store at the retail store online, online at the retail store online. online find us at the retail store <laughs> <laughs> i think we could maybe wrap up the episode um we we did manage to do a test stream of playing the pokemon card game um 
remotely on Twitter, on Twitch. And it was very fun, but very flawed. So I would like, <laughs> I mean, flawed. maybe it was deeply flawed, but like we learned a lot. And um, I would like to try doing that again at some point. Um, or we can play a different video or some kind of games. I like games. I like playing games with you, Esteban. They're nice. It's ah, fun. Thanks. I had a lot of fun doing that too. Um, I don't really know what the plan is for next time, but that's it for today. I next guess. time. We for real are actually cannot talk about Pokemon again. We have to stop. <laughs> All right. The blacklist now includes Macross, Pokemon. Anything else I need to add to that blacklist? I played a Macross video game yesterday. It was great. All right. Well, that's it. Thank you for joining us today on free Wi-Fi. Uh, happy Pride. And um, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And I hope you guys have a good good couple weeks. All right. Yeah. Bye. Our, th- our theme song is by Clover and Sea Life. Bye. Bye. Bye.